0: This is Reset. I'm Natalie Moore and for Sasha and Simons. Shoot for the stars. Aim higher. Be the best. There's always room for improvement. We've all heard and said something along those lines in the continuous search to be better, the best, even perfect. But our next guest says her own journey has led her to ditch ideals of flawlessness and to embrace the messy. In her new book, Stop Waiting for Perfect, Chicago author L'Oreal Thompson Payton urges readers to readjust attitudes around perfection and to step out of their comfort zones and into their power. And she joins us in studio now. L'Oreal, welcome to Reset. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Are you still a perfectionist?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a work in progress, and that's the whole point of it, right? I mean, there's no such thing as, like, I finally arrived, and I'm finally over it, and I've done all the things. I'm still learning and growing. It's just that I wrote a book about it, and I'm sharing it all with you in real time, these lessons that I've come across as well. When did you first realize
0: you were a perfectionist? Was it something
1: in adulthood, teenage years, or childhood? All of the above. So I definitely was the straight A student. I was valedictorian in my eighth grade class. I always got the good report cards, perfect attendance awards and all of the things. And I don't think I knew that there was necessarily something wrong with that until adulthood, until therapy, if we're being honest, um, because that's just the way that I was raised. I was conditioned as a black woman. You have to work twice as hard to get half as much. And I really did live into that for a lot of my life until I figured out, you know, there's a softer and better way to do life instead.
0: Speaking of that, early on in the book, you make reference to a famous TV scene from the show Scandal. Yes. It's when Olivia Pope's father scolds her for, among other things, shooting for mediocrity. Let's take a listen. Did I not raise you for better? How many times have I told you you
1: have to be what? You have to be what? What? Twice as good. Twice as good as them to get half of what they have.
0: I remember that scene (laughs) in in real time (laughs) vividly. Um, Why did it resonate with you? It finally put
1: words to something I had felt all my life. I remember when I was interviewing for a summer camp in middle school, which are just words that I feel like shouldn't go together. And my mom had me and my sister dressed up in our Easter fineness. I had, you know, the hosiery and the slip and everything like that to just be at 10 years old or whatever it was, like present as I'm worthy enough and I deserve to be here because it is so much harder for us than our white counterparts to make the case rather that we deserve a seat at this table as well, even as young as 10 years old in middle school interviewing for a summer camp and when I heard that phrase when I saw the scene I was like that's what it was that's what my mom was doing and of course you know like that generation and generations before her that's what they knew. That's how you got ahead. That's how you succeed in America. And what I'm trying to do now with this book is kind of teach future generations, current generations, previous generations that we don't always have to be perfect in order to be worthy or be accepted. You are worthy as you are. You are enough as you are. You don't have to do the most (laughs) and you don't have to work twice as hard.
0: I I grew up hearing you have to be twice as good. I didn't interpret it as perfection, though. Mm -hmm. To me, it was about there's racism out here, so you can't be, you're smart, but you can't be mediocre because of the way these structures are. Did your, did your parents tell you you have to be twice as good, or did that scene just click for you what they were trying to do?
1: I never said it outright, but I feel like it was certainly implied. And all of those things are certainly true. There's racism, there's sexism, there's all of these things you look at, like work and Adam Newman, and a black woman would never be able to fail as, like, stupendously <laughs> as he has. And so there are a lot of barriers um, that are already out there against us. And I think there was an added layer for myself where I saw this as a survival mechanism. Like, okay, well, if I'm perfect, then that means I won't have to worry about failure. I'll be above reproach. I won't have to, like do all of these messy things, I'll be untouchable. And that was not what I learned or found out to be true in my career and my life as well.
0: Where do you think your aim for perfectionism came from? I mean, you you gave the middle school story, but Mm -hmm. were you the kid who just always
1: drew inside the lines and wanted things to be... Orderly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I still draw inside the lines. I mean, my mom's a Virgo, so I feel like maybe that's part of it. I mean, we know Beyonce's a Virgo as well, so there's some of those tendencies. But I think I just watched by learning, you know, learning from her, looking at her and what she was doing and how she got ahead in the world, how she navigated the world. And it just. As the kid, getting the straight A's and everything like that, I saw that, okay, adults really like this. <laughs> you know, like they're approving of me. This is a way to gain external validation. And I really leaned on that throughout a lot of my life instead of looking inward and deciding that okay you know like you don't have to be the best you don't have to strive for perfection because it's unhealthy like it's an unhealthy obsession i write about crying when i lost my peloton streak after 600 yeah that was my days. next question
0: so let let's let's go back let's yes. talk about the peloton you open the book with the peloton story mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that I feel like is just a very, it's a perfect, lack of better word, illustration of an unhealthy obsession with perfection. I got Peloton right before the pandemic, right before our multiple IVF cycles. This was something that I could control in a world that was literally falling apart around me. And I just became addicted to the blue dot that you get every time you complete a workout. And I was like come hell or high water. Like I did a guided meditation on the way to our C-section. Like that's not, (laughs) that's not okay. And then like fast forward a month later, we're rushing around the doctor's appointments, trying to get our daughter together and everything. And I realized I lost a streak and I cried real tears because it was like, okay, well, who am I without this streak? Like who is L'Oreal? And what I realized after, again, shout out to therapy, is that I'm the same person. I'm still worthy of love. I'm enough as I am. I do not have to constantly strive to be the perfect daughter daughter, wife, sister, mother, especially with motherhood, because it's like perfection and parenting do not go together. And that was kind of my crash course into that with uh, with losing the Peloton streak and just realizing, OK, like it's the world is going to continue to spin. And it was kind of embarrassing, honestly, <laughs> like to cry about that. I don't have a Peloton bike, but I have the app on my
0: phone mm-hmm. and it does reward you 52 week streak, yep. daily streak. I don't think I've gotten past 30 days. And I, recently I was up to two weeks and I folded on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. But I, I think it feels like checking off a box so that you've committed to something and you're rewarded for it, even though mm-hmm. the only reward just seeker bragging, is, right? It's right. It's, like it's, I don't even tell real. other people. It was just for me. Um yeah.
1: Who did you imagine you were talking to when you were writing this book? Oh, I love that question, and I just put together a presentation. Where I literally included a picture of like five year old L'Oreal, and so I think back to her and how she really just was like, "I'm a good student, so I always have to be a good student. I want to be a good daughter, I want to be a good friend and sister, and put so much pressure on herself." And my mom always told me that she was like, "I don't know where you're getting this from. Like, no one else is putting this pressure on you, but I put it on myself." And so this book, Stop Waiting for Perfect is a love letter to not only a younger me, but other perfectionists, other recovering perfectionists, other black women and girls in particular, to just give them A a hug <laughs> in the form of a book and let them know that, hey, it's okay, you don't have to be perfect, but also for like the creatives out there, the other writers that you don't have to wait for this perfect moment to launch the podcast, to write the book, to start the blog, whatever it is, this big idea that you have that perfect moment is never going to come. So it's better to do it now, do it messy, and still put it out in the world.
0: You just talked about how motherhood and perfectionism do not go together. No, man, they do not. Um, I'm sure that you went into it thinking that it could, though. Oh, yeah. When did it click for you that... This isn't this ain't it
1: (laughs) very early on. I mean, I even remember getting the deadline for the first draft of the book. And it was like December or something, two months after my daughter was born. And I was like, I can do it. I can do it while she nabs. My agent was like, "Um, no, that's cute. (laughs) But I'm going to stop you right now. And I just you know, I used to be a very punctual person. And now you know, you got to give us a 1520 minute grace period to get anywhere now, especially that she's a toddler and wants to do things on her own. And it's really forced me someone who's very by the book and follows the rules. And we have to do things in this particular way to learn to go with the flow and also to extend myself some grace. I told a story. Recently, we were in Hawaii and hiking up um, Volcano Diamond Head, and I've done the hike before, no big deal, but very different with a 20-some-pound toddler strapped to you, and I got tired. We didn't make it to the top, and I sat down, and I turned around to her, and she was like a year old at the time, but I was like... Mommy's tired and it's very important that we honor our body and our boundaries. And that's not something that I would have done five, 10 years ago. I would have pushed myself to the brink of exhaustion, to over the edge of exhaustion, to prove the point, to um, be perfect, to say that I completed the goal that I set out to do. And now I'm learning that there is an easier way to go about life and trying to pass that on to my daughter as well.
0: I'm also wondering where you see the line between not aiming for perfection but aiming for progress because people are ambitious. They want to start that that podcast, that blog, yeah. the things that, that you said. So how do you – Navigate balance.
1: Listen, I had a vision of writing this book in a coffee shop window with the lo-fi hip-hop playing in the background and my oat milk latte in hand, and that happened maybe two or three times altogether, but a lot of this book was written in the Notes app at 2 a.m. while I was breastfeeding my daughter. Um, I could not literally afford to wait for those perfect moments to sit down and do the thing. I had to find the time and kind of like borrow time in the margins of time, if you will. And I remember reading a tweet as I was finishing the first draft that talked about, you know, you can edit bad, but you can't edit nothing. So it's important that you put words on a paper or whatever it is the project that you're trying to do because you can always go back and edit it. You can make it better, you can tweak it, but you can't do that if there's nothing to begin with. And so it's more important that you start, that you feel the fear and you do it anyway. It is scary, but there's so much power and courage in doing things that make us afraid because they make us better.
0: This is Reset, I'm Natalie Moore, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and we're talking with Chicago author L'Oreal Thompson Payton about her new book, Stop Waiting for Perfect, Step Out of Your Comfort Zone and Into Your Power, which is out now. You talk pretty candidly about jealousy, Oh yeah, And experiencing those feelings, especially when scrolling through social media um, and people don't want to talk about jealousy, but I think you did dedicate a whole chapter yes. <laughs> uh, to it. Let's uh, tell us about what was making you feel jealous and how people can work through that.
1: Yeah, so I'm a Scorpio, and I feel like that's one of our most famous traits is jealousy, passion, all of those things. And instead of hiding it and being ashamed of it, I wanted us to talk openly about it because there is power in that, in naming our feelings and also not letting them own us. And so in talking directly to my friends, I remember dear friend, um, shout out to Pam, she's listening, who published her book first, and I told her, I saw a greeting card afterward that was like, I'm 97% happy for you and 3% jealous. And it was important for me to be candid with her about that because I wanted to show up and she's created this space for me as a friend to show up as my full authentic self. But there's so much jealousy that's out there. You know, we all compare our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel, which is All social media really is. And it can be a little discouraging when you see someone else out there doing your goals or they get to the goal before you do. And I've muted people on social media. I'm not afraid to admit that, especially when we, again, we're going through our IVF journey and it seemed like everyone else around me was pregnant. I had to mute certain people in order to protect my peace and that's okay i think we're also ashamed to not, like not be happy for everyone all the time but you don't have to like it's okay you need to put your mental health first and make that a priority and then just kind of keep your you know your blinders on and keep your eyes on your own paper i remember the um i forget which olympics it was but I'm a native Marylander, you know, I've been in Chicago for 10 years and um, Michael Phelps was swimming and there was another swimmer and there was a picture and he like turns to look at Michael and Michael ends up winning the race by like whatever fraction of a second. And I think of that. I am like, I wonder if turning and looking at your competition costs this guy the race. And I think that's true in life as well. If we just keep our eyes on our own paper we can you know smile clap applaud like everyone else's status but not compare ourselves to them and their wins because we don't know what's going on and they're behind the scenes as well
0: how did your friend Pam take getting that card saying three percent jealous I wonder if sometimes we just have to keep our like normalize our feelings but Mm -hmm. do we have to always share those feelings
1: can they be negative on the people we love I think it depends. You know, you have to gauge the situation in your friendship as well. We're very honest with each other about what we're going through and also understand each other on a certain level because we're both writers, because we're both creative so we felt those feelings, if not directed toward each other, other people as well. And so it was helpful for me to know that, okay, I don't have to be perfect in this moment. I don't have to put on the smile and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you because I am and I'm also feeling some sense of jealousy and both of those things are okay. Um, Chelsea Jackson Roberts, Peloton instructor. I do her yoga. (laughs) She is amazing. I met her on Sunday. I I met her before, but I did her uh, class this past Sunday when I was in New York. And she talks a lot about the both and how two things can be true at once. And so you can hold both of those things at the same time, like happiness for this person. And you're really excited to see them reach their goal. And it can also bring up some icky feelings for you about what you have yet to accomplish and That's okay. We don't have to pretend to be perfect and be happy all the time. I think we do ourselves a disservice by like squashing down those um, less popular emotions, if you will. On the flip side, what does self-sabotage look like? Oh gosh. (laughs) I mean, it is keeping your book proposal in your Google draft for years on end, like I did before I finally mustered up the courage to start querying literary agents and putting myself out there in terms of writing this actual book. But I think sometimes, you know, and I talk in there as well about different types of fear. There's fear of failure, but I am someone and I think other people can relate to it as well, this fear of success. You know, like we're almost (laughs) intimidated by what could happen. If we do put the thing out there and make ourselves, you know, known and really stand in our shine, and that can be scary as well. And all of those emotions I work with my therapist, um, we use a feelings wheel very often where I'll go through and be like, yes, I'm feeling anxious, overwhelmed, stressed. And just naming those and trying to figure out where is that coming from? What is the truth? What's real? And what's just like noise or my inner critic being loud is a really helpful exercise for me.
0: And speaking of that, tell us who Negative Nancy is.
1: Negative (laughs) Nancy. She's been making the rounds lately. Um, This is my inner critic. I named her such because I love alliteration. And what I found, though, in naming the inner critic, because we all have that voice in our heads, whether it's our voice, our mom's, our partner, friend, or someone who is telling you, you can't do that, you're not good enough it's not true this critic this inner critic this negative self-talk that we hear a lot of times is honestly just trying to keep us safe It's trying to keep us protected It's trying to keep us in that comfort zone but we all know that that's not where the magic is and so it's kind of turning to your negative nancy or whoever your inner critic is and telling them okay i got this okay i need you to have a seat get in the back seat but i'm in the driver's seat now and i'm going to be in control of this journey and it's not about like okay overcoming the one and done and you're you know better and go on with the rest of your life i find in those moments where you're putting yourself out there that she tends to pop up and it's just kind of like okay i know you're here with me right now but i'm going to push forward anyway and go forth and do do the things
0: does leaving your comfort zone help you be a perfectionist or does it help you shed some of those ideals around perfectionism
1: it's helped me so far shed some of the ideals around perfectionism. Earlier this week, I was on CBS Mornings. I have never done national TV We heard before. about that over uh, here at WBZ. I was so nervous, so anxious, and it went by so fast. And I still haven't watched the recording because I know that I'm my own worst critic, and so I'm kind of waiting to do that. But having done it, I was like, okay, I did a really scary thing, and... The world kept spinning. I didn't die. <laughs> like, it was okay. And so, okay, like, courage is a muscle. The more we do scary things, the easier they become. And I'm, you know, in the book trying to tell people, like, imposter syndrome I feel like has gotten a bad rap, in perfectionism, all these sort of things. And what I found, at least with imposter syndrome, is, like, If I'm leveling up in my career, in my life, then imposter syndrome is going to pop up occasionally. And that's okay because it means that I'm doing something scary. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and this is just going to be a part of the journey. But instead of letting it overcome me and stop me in my tracks and tell me that, okay, you know, like you're not good enough. It's like, okay, that maybe could have gone a little better, but I did it and I'll know what to do for next time.
0: The book is... um market it on the back as like a a pocket-sized pep talk to people and at the end of each chapter you have reflection questions is that something that you always wanted to include when you were thinking about this book why did you add those
1: I wanted to make it more interactive that this is something I have books that I will go to in times of need. I think of Elizabeth Gilbert's uh, Big Magic. I reread every year at the beginning of the year. And so I want Stop Waiting for Perfect to be that for someone else. I want it to be a book that you pick up when you're getting ready for a speaking engagement, a job interview, making the case for your promotion or whatever scary goal it is that you have ahead of you And these questions to revisit because your answers may change. But I didn't want to just be a book you read you put back on your shelf. I want people to take notes. I want you to underline. I want you to highlight. I want it to be messy and imperfect. And I want it to be with you and carry you through those difficult parts of life. Do perfectionists
0: have a hard time asking for help?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) I write in the book a very vivid scene. Uh, My husband had gone to a networking event, and I was in charge of bedtime routine with the baby. Usually he does it after I finish nursing her. And in my head, I was like, okay, I can do this. This is easy. Like, she's your daughter, of course. (laughs) And... (laughs) long story short he came home and found both me and her crying because I was overwhelmed I think she could sense my panic of like and not going to sleep I who was put her... this putting me to bed right like what are you doing you are not my dad like she was not about that life and after he got home and got both of us situated, I text my friend. I was like, Dory, I don't think I'm cut out for this mom life. And she was like, well, A, it's too late. <laughs> and B, yes, you are. Um, and the next day I went on Instagram stories and it was more of a rant, but also came across as kind of like this cry for help. Um, just telling you that parenting is really hard. It's a lot harder than I thought it would be. It's butting up against everything I've known about perfectionism and how to move about life. And immediately two friends DMed me were like, Do you need me to babysit? Can I come over? Do you need me to watch the baby? And so that really forced me to accept help. What I'm working on now is proactively asking for it before it gets to a breaking point. But perfectionism tells you, okay, you not only have to do everything, you have to do it on your own. You can't ask for help. That's a sign of weakness. And I'm unlearning all of that um, and learning to ask for help as well.
0: How do you keep the perfectionism in check today? This book is out. I mean, you're on CBS this morning, you're hitting your markers of success. Is that, how is that making you feel?
1: Overwhelmed. <laughs> um, and I had to reevaluate my goals a little bit. My friend uh, Taylor Morrison, a fellow author who I'm going to be in conversation with tomorrow at Women and Children First, tomorrow evening if anyone wants to stop by. What time? Um, at. That's a great question. I think it's 6 p.m. It might be 7, though. I should really know this. We'll
0: we'll tweak that. <laughs> make out. A note. Okay, or you can go on Women and Children first yes. website to, to
1: find that exactly. And earlier this year, her book came out, and she shared some more um, qualitative goals than quantitative. And so it was talking about I want to be you know help people with this book. I wanted to do well enough that I'm able then to write a second book. And I made my goal is like I want to help at least one person. I just need to know that it's touched one person and help one person. And earlier this week in New York at an event, um, there was a young black girl who was like, oh my gosh, I see myself in you. And that just like full circle moment made me feel like, okay, if nothing else goes well, at least I did that.
0: That Chicago author, L'Oreal Thompson-Payton. Her debut book, Stop Waiting for Perfect, Step Out of Your Comfort Zone and Into Your Power is out now. L'Oreal, congratulations on the new book and thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.